My memoir is going to be called Memoirs of a Marmar. <laughs> Mine's going to be... <laughs> Mine's going to be Memoirs of Kelsey. Memorying Memoirs of a Marmar. <laughs> <laughs> what? This is a kick in the arts. A couple of comedic cunts concentrating a conversation on creativity to connect a continuing community of creative comedic cunts. I'm Kelsey, a visual artist and graphic designer based in Bozeman, Montana. And I'm Marissa, an actor, comedian, business owner, and side hustler in Los Angeles. This episode is brought to you by Helen's Melons, a gorgeous fruit basket perfect for any gift-giving occasion because who doesn't love receiving a pair of plump rotund melons topped with tiny hand-dipped cherries? And now you can choose from a selection of themed melon sets. Try some of our favorites. The Perky Papaya Platter, the Double D Drizzle Danglers, or the exotic tropical tasty tatas. It includes pineapple. Upgrade any order to a large for just $10. Uh, that's a good deal. So, if you can't elope, then maybe Helen's Melons are your solution for an overdue honeydew. Helen's Melons is not an actual company or a sponsor, but it should be. So, if you are a Helen, don't let this be a missed opportunity. Seize the day, Helen. Get it. Carpe the diem, Helen. Something awesome happened this week. It was the tits. Ah, but something stunk this week. It was the pits. This segment is called The Tits and Pits. Do you want to start with your tits and pits? Okay, sure. Um, my pits this week are that, or is that this dog that I regularly babysit for. Don't worry, this isn't a dead dog thing. But he, my dog that I regularly watch is moving to Atlanta. So, like, I know it could be much worse. Lots of bad things can happen to pets. And he's not even my full-time pet, but he's, like, my favorite little buddy. And I'll never see him again. And, yeah, like I said, he's not even my pet. But the, I, like, cannot even think about it because it's truly, like, depressing me. You'll have, to, you'll have to find a new one to babysit. Isn't there, like, an app that you can babysit people's puppies? Yeah, but they're pretty strict about, like, you have to have, like, a yard and stuff for a lot of the dog-sitting stuff. And I've, um, I don't know, just, like, even, just that dog is just, like, the sweetest and the best. So for a second, I was like, maybe I'll have to take your dog, Nico, this summer, but I know he'll be more happier in our parents' house, where I'll have, he has, like, a yard and other dogs to play with and stuff, so... <laughs> my tits this week is kind of a consolation is that we got a RoboVac, more commonly known as a Roomba, but we have a different brand called a Eufy, E-U-F-Y, and he's lighting up my life. <laughs> so, replacement for the puppy. <laughs> yes, except instead of leaving dog hair, it cleans it all up. Uh, I've been really addicted to it. Like, literally, I'll turn him on and just, like, watch him. Like, it's mesmerizing. <laughs> like oh, a I need one of those. Uh, man, game changer. Like my house just feels clean all the time, and he's so funny. And uh, we nicknamed him after my boyfriend's brother. So we're like, Seth, go clean the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> well, that'll be great if Seth moves in with you guys. Yeah. <laughs> so how about you? What are your pits and tits this week? Well, okay, my pits. I honestly, like, didn't have, like, that bad of a week, so that's good. That's good. <laughs> um, 
my pits was so a Thursday night I was on a first date with a guy Tinder Ooh. um and we we were just going for a walk at the park and I by the time we got back to my car oh we were gonna go have a beer afterwards and meet some friends and we get down there and I'm like shit I don't have my phone so he, he had like already ordered a beer he's like so he, and he was so sweet about it so I'm like that's cool and so we he came back with me to look for it at the park um and it was raining hard so that sucked too so I'm like well it's gone like can't find it anywhere it's not on the road it's not at the park what do you do um so we just went back and had a beer and then I was like wait a second, I can use my, find my iPhone app, so. Yeah, why didn't you think of that earlier? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I was, like, first of all, just, like, flustered because I, like, kind of like them. First date nerves, you know, just, like, was not thinking straight anyways. Like, I could have put my cell phone anywhere because my mind was so distracted. <laughs> um, so I came back home, put on the app on my laptop, and it was located, like, at the park still. So I'm like, okay. I can go and find it. And then I go down there and I'm like, oh, I don't have internet connection. So then I drove like 20 minutes away out to my studio where I had my iPad and Wi-Fi hotspot device, drove back to the park. So by this time it was like 11 o'clock at night and was in the rain with like my hotspot and my iPad walking up the muddy snowy hill and finally start hearing the signal. Yes, so zoned in on it and um, got my iPhone, and it was it still works perfectly. Um, I like fist pumped the sky. I had so much adrenaline at that point. I even like oh on my way back to the park, I stopped at the gas station and was just like stress eating popcorn while I was looking at tactical flashlights. Like I'm gonna find this bitch. <laughs> It was such a frustrating and rewarding experience at the same time. So I guess that's sort of my pits just because that kind of sucked, but it ended well. So That sounds like a cold open to a rom-com. <laughs> I guess so. Like, I am the Liam Neeson of locating <laughs> Okay, I went rom-com, you went action adventure. <laughs> Fair enough. Um. Yeah, and of course, like, the guy was like, oh, it's in your car, it's in your car, and then I texted him the next morning, she's like, guess what? It's like, where was it in your car? I'm like, no, you asshole, <laughs> like, I legitimately, legitimately lost it. Um, so, yeah, I think we're gonna go out again and make up for it, but, like, good first date, huh? <laughs> uh, two points on that. First of all, you can use the Find My iPhone app on someone else's phone. Uh, you can? Yeah. I thought it had to be, like, connected to your phone, though. No, I think I you thought can... it had to be one of your other dev- devices. No, I think you can... I think I've done it before where you log into someone else's phone. Yeah, because my, when my phone got stolen on Hollywood Boulevard, I logged into Lauren's real quick, I think. Oh. Um, second of all, that is a great standby to have in your pocket if you don't know if you're going to call someone back on a date. You'd be like, oh, I lost my phone on the date. That's why I didn't call you back. Well, yeah. I mean, when he left, we talked about meeting up again. And I was like, I guess I'll figure out how to get a hold of you. He's like, well, can I have your email address? (laughs) So I gave him my email before he left. Nice. Um, Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad you found it. 
Um, Does it work? Is it was it sitting yeah. in a puddle? It was sitting in a puddle. The speaker didn't work for a couple days, and now it works again. So, <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> so lucky. And I just had to explain to him like this is you know this is me because <laughs> we ran into a couple friends downtown and they're like oh you lost your iPhone didn't you just get it I'm like yeah you know it's been six months it was time for me to lose the phone again um, <laughs> so I guess the I think a thing was too that it um just showed him the true authentic side of myself and uh, that I'm a space cadet sometimes so uh, yeah yeah um and I guess, so I guess that was sort of a pits and tits, but my tits more so this week was uh, participating in a March for Life uh, rally here in Bozeman yes. last Saturday. Yes. And it was just, uh, I've never marched for anything before, not because I haven't wanted to. It's just always been, I don't know, I've had something going on or haven't been around for it for some reason. It's not like we have a lot of that kind of stuff here. Uh, but it was like 2,000 people marched Main Street, and um, there were some speeches and stuff at the library. It was just really cool to see, particularly in Montana, people fighting for um, gun regulations, and particularly hunters and veterans and gun owners that are for gun control. Yeah. I mean, I really believe it just needs to be more sensible and how we deal with it and I just don't it's mainly just people who are fearful of their rights being taken away and their guns being taken away that are putting up a fuss about it who have just been brainwashed by the NRA saying like we're going to take all of your guns and that's just not the point it's so besides the point so um it was just really cool to be a part of that yeah it was kind of I wasn't able to make it to the LA march but uh I saw even just walking around my neighborhood there was people who were coming from the march and it's just so and I've been to like the women's marches it's so empowering to like go to those things like it feels really powerful to show up to those marches right it makes you feel not so alone um it makes you want to take more action I -hmm. think just little bits of action make you inspire you to do more Mm -hmm. action creates momentum and I, uh, yeah, always have so much gratitude for the people who organize all that stuff. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm really grateful for that because that's, it's easy to show up and, but to, I don't know, to get all the permits and all that and extra bathrooms and all that stuff set up. It takes a lot of work. Yeah. So thank you, organizers. Now it's time for our pawn run, an exercise for us to jog our brains and sneaker in some of our best gag-worthy puns, even if some of them are a bit of a stretch. Our pun run suggestion comes from Michael Ray Bauer of HeyBauer.com. He wanted to hear some puns about magazines. I assumed the like paper kind, not gun kind. <laughs> I did too. Okay. okay, so we're all on the same page. Oh, getting started. <laughs> uh, did have you seen that beauty magazine for Scientologists? Which one's that? L. Ron Hubbard. <laughs> did you see the new mag about Trump? What's that? It's called Better Comb Better Combs and Pardons. <laughs> Oh, well, see, I was thinking that the more 
press and more explicit that the Stormy Daniels case gets against Trump, uh, it's turning pretty National Geographic. Well, it's just like the Trump supporters, you know, this big family is with 10 kids. They just read the Breeders' Digest. <laughs> yeah, they're the one that they're going to end up at the festival for people who drive their kids around called the Vanity Fair. <laughs> that one deserves a rolling moan. <laughs> uh, you want to hear some glamour? Yes. Okay, magazine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I had to cancel one of my magazine subscriptions, and now I'm out of time. Oh. <laughs> Oprah. <laughs> That's a magazine. <laughs> now you're preaching to the Esquire. <laughs> Did you hear about the new magazine for meth addicts? Uh-uh. News tweak. <laughs> I was reading a magazine I couldn't get enough of. I wanted uh, Cosmopolitan. Uh, not a pun, but I think it's really weird that there's a print magazine called Wired. <laughs> Good point. That's what. That's very wired. <laughs> How wired? <laughs> and now it's time for. Deep subject. subject. Today we decided to talk about jealousy and competition. That I think goes hand in hand and are a big part of being a creative. Mm-hmm. Just being part, of, being a person. But. Being a person. One of my, um, I'll start out with just a funny, silly anecdote about jealousy, is that I had this friend in college uh, that was very kind of. Um, upfront about her body issues. Mm. Like, I think in some respect, almost all women have body issues, but some keep quieter about it. But she would yeah. just, like, say things in, that I just thought were hilarious ways, but it's kind of, like, reflecting deeper down pain. But, um, you know, she would just, like, get into tizzy and be like, oh, I guess I'm just having a carrot for dinner. <laughs> but <laughs> there, was, there was one time we were, I went to Pilates with her, and we walked out after class, and she's just she's just like, I hate all those skinny bitches, except the fat ones. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I mean, it was hilarious to me, but it's, like, sort of the truth when you're measuring yourself up. And this isn't, we're not necessarily talking about um, jealousy for um, bodies specifically. I just wanted to give that anecdote because it's so true in the sense that you can put yourself sort of in this ranking amongst people around you. Yeah. Like the same thing. And when she said, I hate all those skinny bitches except for the fat ones, it was like <laughs> such a perfect way of putting that. Like, well, I'm not the best, but I'm not the worst. But I'm not the best. Yeah. No. What is that like subconscious ranking thing? Because is there ever like a winner? And what does the winner get? And actually, like, you know, I've I've gotten better as I've gotten older, but I used to have, like, cr- like just staying on the subject of, like, physical jealousy stuff for a minute. Like, I used to have crippling insecurity about, like, the way I looked. Like, I even, this was when I was 19, so, like, 10 years ago, 
I was seeing a psychologist um, and was kind of telling him about that like ranking thing that women do or like if I'm in a room full of like 10 girls like I feel like shit all the time and he was like well what if you're in like the top five and I'm like I wish I could be working towards not even having that subconscious competition over like who's the prettiest who's the skinniest like all that stuff like I mm-hmm. just wanted to shake that not have my psychiatrist be like well maybe you're in the top five and it's okay like <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, I wonder if he was getting at something else there, but uh, yeah, that's interesting. That's funny. My, um, I remember talking with one of my guy friends in the bar once, and we talked about the difference between men and women in that aspect. And he's like, yeah, when a guy walks through a door in a bar, I think, can I fight him? Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm like, women think, am I prettier than her? You know, you just, you're immediately sizing that other person up. And for guys, it's more of a, a strength macho type thing. I've heard that before about guys. You know, that's like, a, yeah, a, it's a physical feat, like an accomplishment mm-hmm. versus, I don't know, just where you were. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. And well, that's what I kind of was thinking about. It was like, where does that competition kind of come from? And deep down, it is all about survival, like, all the animals on the planet, like, a squirrel is going to be in competition over getting the fattest nuts, but, <laughs> <laughs> and, like, you know, and even for, like, humans and survival, like, that that's a survival instinct to, to be competitive. Yeah, general attractiveness, yeah. Well, it really, like, best at, be the best at anything, really. Yeah, but, like, but squirrels aren't jealous, to my knowledge, like, you know, that's, <laughs> they're just competitive. Just squirrels. I mean, those things go hand in hand, but is it just like humans that add the painfulness of the jealousy? Yeah, I mean, it seems like for me, the certain bouts of jealousy are dissuaded if I know the person. You know what I mean? Like, I can, if it's a close friend that I really love and admire, I might be jealous, but... I can, I know the inner workings behind her and who she is. And then maybe also like some of the struggles that she has too in knowing that she's not perfect. So it kind of takes that person down off the pedestal for me a little bit. If that makes sense. Whereas if you see something that somebody's doing on Instagram, for instance, it seems so far away and through this rose colored lens um mm-hmm. yeah or filters just, or yeah yeah I've gotten a lot better too at like social media just really acknowledging that that's people's highlight reel that's not their behind the scenes that's not their bad day picture that's their good day good lighting picture right uh and also for social media like I used to be, like, really, I would get painfully jealous of people who were more successful, not just, like, the looks thing, but just successful, like, getting great acting roles or something, and it was just, like, I just have to unfollow those people, like, just, Mm -hmm. it's not going to be good for me to be jealous of someone else's success like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, I want to bring it back to more, um, you know, career and creative field and not just talk about (laughs) looks necessarily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but of course, like those things go hand in hand in your industry. 
And I wonder, particularly living in Hollywood, how you deal with that day to day. Oh, it's not superficial out here at all. (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah. And yeah, since it does go hand in hand with looks, like I will talk about it for a second. Um, Actually, we just filmed a beauty commercial this last week, and I was the AD on it, not talent. So it was raining that day. I wasn't really wearing any makeup or anything, of course. I'm like working next to these models who are models and in hair and makeup and I'm just like god damn it (laughs) I wasn't like jealous of them because that is their strength and I'm I think the more I get into being a comedian and feeling more comfortable with that is my identity the looks thing starts to just fade away Mm -hmm. that's not to say that there's not beautiful comedians and those things don't coexist but I just know that my skill set is different. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like living in LA, like yeah, there's there's beautiful people everywhere. There's because I've and so I think that sometimes you just have to yeah rely on your per, your core values instead of your looks. And then every once in a while, like it's okay to indulge in a beauty treatment. Or I my personal weakness right now is eyelash extensions just make me feel pretty and I think that's okay to indulge in if people are into the Botox thing or you know whatever gives them that little boost I think is perfectly okay as long as they still have the core values of what's really important mm-hmm. um for me personally having a business outside of like acting and being a performer is a business in itself but I have a, a business that has nothing to do with how I look And so identifying the things that make my business special and different and using those as a marketing point helps me take that out of my own soul and body when it comes back to the business of being an actor. So for example, what makes one of the things about my business special is that we, A, are ran by women and B, source our materials locally in LA. So if I think about those marketing things, for the business, that's how I market the business. And then so for Marissa, what makes Marissa special is that I'm like the way I look and my awkwardness and all of my idiosyncrasies that drive me crazy, but they also make me special. And those mm-hmm. are my marketing angles as a talent. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I actually I think I told you about this before not some weeks ago or something but I listened to an interview with Terry Crews on Tim Ferriss's podcast and we talked yeah we talked about Terry Crews and I it's not like I he was never even really on my radar before I had no idea he was involved in so many creative projects um but he said something that uh went straight to my heart that I've not it's nothing new, but for some reason, the way he said it um, really just helped me with thinking about, you know, being your creative, unique self and how that helps you um, just not even think about the competition. Um, I actually pulled up the quote so I can say it more eloquently. Nice. Um The truth is that you need the success of everyone in your field in order to achieve your own success. Creativity operates differently. I'll skip over this. Um, The keys belong to whoever is inspired, and no specific age, sex, gender, or cultural background has a monopoly on inspiration. 
When you're creative, you render competition obsolete because there is only one you and no one else can do things exactly the way you do. Never worry about the competition. When you're creative, you can, and in fact, cheer others on with the knowledge that their success will undoubtedly be their own. Undoubtedly be your own. That's really hard to reach right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I just really like that because it not only does it dissuade kind of jealous notions, but it says, in fact, that you need other people doing similar things to what you're doing to help your own success. And it puts you more in an abundance mindset in the sense that we all need to be working in our own creative ways to lift each other up. Because if there was only one painter out there, for example, then people wouldn't even know what the hell it was and wouldn't pay attention to you. You know what I mean? Like there needs to be a relative thing to what you're doing. And that's, you know, you think about, I don't know, how they have often pitched big movies or something. They won't describe it. They'll say, oh, it's Batman meets Wolf of Wall Street. Mm -hmm. You know, and then the prototypes. Yeah. And then automatically people get that. But have you ever seen a Batman Wolf of Wall Street movie? No, it's its own unique thing, but it's building off these two other things. Um, I don't know how I came up with those two. <laughs> Sounds like a good movies. movie. <laughs> um, copywriting that. <laughs> um, but and I and I also like what he says there about being your unique you. Nobody else, I guess he doesn't say in that particular quote, but in the podcast he was talking about, like, nobody else has your perspective, your time and place, your experience. They might be similar, but you're always going to have your own very unique point of view. Only person on earth. You know, and that's ultimately what makes you special. Like, we're not special snowflakes, but we're all special snowflakes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's really important to remember when, like, the jealousy monster is starting to burn a little bit. Um, What do you think your biggest competitions are currently that you face kind of on a daily? Uh, I mean, I don't know if competition is the right word. There's just, I think, people who are working in my same field, and like you said, when you see them... And, like, same background, mm-hmm. it affects me the most because you can't give them an excuse like, oh, well, they went to Pratt, so that's why they got that job. Or they have the, you know, it's if it if another person is given the same opportunity than you, but then it's ultimately better at that, that's when I start to see that like what am I doing wrong what could I be doing differently like why wasn't I given that chance that's when I start to get in that like disgusting downfall Mm -hmm. um I guess like for example I guess most recently I entered this group show in downtown Bozeman that was juried and didn't make it in and I walked by the gallery the other day and I'm just like oh like that that person in that painting I made it in, of course they did, because they're like, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, that was what was running through my head. Uh-huh. Um, and it's all just, it 
it, with art, it's all just totally subjective and it might not have even been that mine wasn't good. It just didn't really fit with the show. Um, but it's, yeah, it's like little things like that where you experience failure and other, some, somebody else experiences success and you like the first instinct is wanting to tear somebody else down because you didn't get it. Mm-hmm. So how did you deal with that particular situation? Like, do you just kind of like let it go or is there, do you do anything active to? Oh, I mean, when I found myself going down that rabbit hole in my mind, I just had to stop myself and laugh it off. Like I knew I wasn't serious. I just had to have a moment and, mm-hmm. Um, and then just continuing to do what I do and hoping there's a fit for the next time, you know? Um, I don't know. I constantly struggle with when I get rejections or have little failures like that, if I should be trying to experiencing, experience that feeling deeper, like give it more attention because I think envy is closely closely related to fear where it just wants to be heard and seen a little bit and rather than you know pushing it aside maybe sitting with it a little bit and just like being curious about like why do I feel this way um but really but usually my response is to just push it aside and keep working and Pretend that I'm in like a movie montage where I'm going to train every day and get better and better until <laughs> I am there, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. But I mean, like, I think, yeah, as far as like addressing those feelings, like those feelings come up where about things you care about, like that competition and that jealous feeling is just telling you that this is important to you because other things that you can just like breeze by, like, for example, like. I don't know. For me, like snowboarding. If someone is a better snowboarder than me, I'm just like, eh, whatever. Because that's not like at my core to be like the best snowboarder. That's mm-hmm. not as important to me. Versus, yeah, if someone books or if someone just like nails, ah, I don't know. Versus another situation like that I really care about, like usually a performing thing. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's a, this is an interesting conversation this week because. Something I'm working on in improv is, in my improv class at Groundlings, if you haven't been listening, is my teacher is like, don't try so hard. So, you know, everyone in my class is at different levels, and I actually am not feeling competitive against other people in my class. Like, who's the best? Like, that's less important to me. It's like, I want to be beat myself. Like, I'm really in competition with myself, but if my note is to, like, kind of give less fucks, I'm like, mm-hmm. all right, I'm going to be the best at giving less fucks. Like, <laughs> so kind of just, like, have been bouncing that around in my head like a ping pong ball a week. Like, how do I, like, not try so hard about something I care so much about? Mm-hmm. And and it's about, like, just trusting the work, trusting the foundation of what I know and trusting my skills and talents. And uh, it's just kind of... And it's just interesting thing to be working out right now in this talk about jealousy and competition because I'm trying to, like, not have a burn right now. I'm trying to, like, it's all good. I got it. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I do feel I'm with you. I'm more in that mode right now than I am the opposite. Um, I think as long as I'm doing the work, 
and being consistent with it, then those feelings don't pop up as much. It's really when I deep down know that I've either I've had like a long uh, hiatus from doing work that I love or just haven't been motivated for whatever reason, I'm not doing it. So then that's when I start to get into those spirals more and just the jealousy creeps up because um, I know that I'm not putting my own best foot forward. Mm-hmm. But I can just, I can block out the noise so much more if I'm just focused on my own path. Oh, yeah. I think that's a great way to deal with, like, competition and jealousy is just focus on your own work. Yeah. Like, I think competition can be really motivating, but it also, if it starts to get crippling, to kind of reevaluate. And... Right. I mean, I think in creative work, competition with others doesn't do much I think it's you have to yeah do competition with yourself Um, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it for me anyways is deeply ingrained in growing up playing team sports in that competitive nature like I refuse to really I haven't entered any physical competitions as an adult because I can't just do it and not want to win <laughs> or do the very best you know like the last race I ran was like a Thanksgiving turkey trot and I like had to get my best talk. <laughs> you know I couldn't just jog along and chat with friends <laughs> oof okay yeah okay we can go here a second uh yeah I think a, a lot of people you know there's people who like don't ever like have no problem with competition or can take it easy or whatever um I had to grow up in your shadow a year behind you and everything. And you are the person who does participate in the competitions and stuff. And I feel like a lot of my life, I'm like, I just didn't stand a chance in your footsteps (laughs) Uh, where I just got comfortable kind of in like second place or being the B student instead of the straight A student that you were. Or you would always get, even in, like, children's theater, like, better roles than me. And, like, it is it is putting sometimes, putting a fifth grader against a fourth grader in these things. So, of course, you're going to be innately more skilled at certain things. But overall, I think just growing up with two very apt, very high-skilled sisters in a very smart family, I got comfortable being second a lot. Yeah. Um, so I do wonder if, like birth order and just the way you grow up has to do with how you deal with competition and jealousy as an adult or as an artist. Oh, I think so. Um, I mean, and it's funny you say that because of course I never felt that way. I was no, you were always... winning. <laughs> no, I mean, I was always looking at my peers and I always felt like second place. Like, oh, I'm never going to be MVP, but I'll get most approved. <laughs> You know, I, like, that's, that was my perspective. Um, and I felt the same way that I'm like, okay, I'm just going to be the second place person. I'm, I'm like the good enough person and I'll, that'll be fine. So I think just going back to what you were saying that from the very beginning, um, even if you are the top, does, what does that do for you? What does that feel like? There's always something else 
Mm-hmm. You know, just like Olympic athletes or musicians or whomever who like really do get like the grandest honors in the world and then fall into a deep depression because now what? You know, they achieved that. Like, who wants to be at the top? Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking of like Kobe Bryant just won an Oscar. And I'm like, what else has he got now? <laughs> He just won an Oscar? Yeah, he like wrote an animated like basketball movie or something. I think it's a short. Oh. And so he like they just like retired his jersey and had a big honor for him like a couple of months before he won an Oscar. So it's like, oh, are you, what else do you have left now, Kobe? Like you got mm-hmm. you got nothing. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's got enough stuff to do, but. <laughs> No, I mean, I even felt myself being jealous of, like, fucking Terry Crews in that because he's, like, you know, like, an accomplished football player and actor, and then come to find out, like, his main passion is art, and he's a really good painter. (laughs) What? How do you get all of the things? All of those things. Yeah, whereas... (laughs) Terry Crews is my main... He's who you're competing against. Um, coming for you Terry <laughs> but yeah I mean there are those just like certain pe- multifaceted people out there that are just good at everything they do and it's so frustrating because you know when you're when you're the person that's dedicating put has you know you put all of your eggs in one basket because that's the way you're gonna be good at this thing and then really achieve it and then they just come along and like oh well I'll just throw this together and they're like brilliant yeah <laughs> I think those are the, that's the most frustrating <laughs> Yeah, it's one thing to cheer a competitor on if you know how much like work and dedication they've put into it and how badly they want it. But when someone comes in and just swoops in and takes it like out of nowhere, that can be like, like, hey, we were working on this over here. Who do you think you are? <laughs> um, what kind of changed my perspective a lot on competition in like the comedy realm, like and stand up and kind of just performing in general, was actually this video that Chelsea Handler did for Elle magazine, throwing it back to the pun run, um, where she talks about she was really jealous of a friend who got success, um, even though she, like, as a stand-up, even though Chelsea had been working on stand-up for, like, substantially longer than her friend, so she was really jealous. And I think her sister was kind of told her advice that was, like, Blowing someone else's candle out won't make yours brighter. Like, there's room for everybody. Mm-hmm. And so I think whenever I feel that, like, spe- specifically with, like, other performers, like, when I'm feeling really jealous, and I'm like, oh, they're so good, they're going to achieve more than me, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, there's there's room for everybody. And, like, more than one, like, we can all have candles burning. And then, like, beyond just performing, like, even with, like feeling insecure with looks like we can all be pretty (laughs) or like (laughs) and I know sometimes like that's harder when there's like really defined contest or if there's only like five artists in the show that you like were competing against but you'll have your show and I'm not like saying that you were weird about anything but like we can all shine (laughs) is what I tell myself when I feel low and actually it's cheesy but like it does actually like Comfort me. 
Mm-hmm. Um, part of it, too, is there's the totem pole. And so there's always someone above you and someone below you. So if I'm kind of feeling rough or jealous of someone above me, I consciously try to um, help someone who is lower than me on the totem pole. Not to be, like, judgy or weird. But if there's someone I know who's newer to stand-up and we're on, a, on the same show or same open mic or something, I really try to, like, bring them up and encourage somebody else and that tends to just like feel good to mm-hmm. just but get kind of take it off myself and help somebody who might could use a boost mm-hmm. always feels good mm-hmm. yeah um or just yeah reaching out in general like if it, there's somebody that you're feeling jealous of and admire maybe it's worth reaching out to Say, like, let's grab a cup of coffee. I think you're amazing. <laughs> oh, so reaching, like, above like above you on the totem pole. Yeah, or, I mean, not even, not even thinking about it that way, but, like, for instance, when I lived in Big Sky a few years ago, um, there was this another woman in town who was an artist, and we, you know, obviously were aware of each other's work, and... She just reached out to me and said, like, oh, my gosh, we're both artists. Let's grab a cocktail. I'd love to meet you sort of thing. And that just blew my mind because we could have gone down this path, especially being in a very small community. We could have gone down this path, like, vaguely knowing who each other were, kind of having this, like, you know, especially women, I think, do this, this kind of, like, unspoken competition with each other. Mm-hmm. Or, and but then we met for cocktails, got along famously, and now... um I think she's helped me more than I've helped her, but through her connections, but like now have a relationship where we've thrown, you know, work each other's way or we'll reference each other because we have that connection. So while we came from very similar backgrounds and could have easily gone down the path of, um, am I better than her? Am I worse than her? Like just feeling jealous or whatever from afar. Now we're friends and, have such a better foundation because of that. And I feel like that way a lot about a lot of my relationships, particularly with local artists, is that the more we can just encourage each other in our work, no matter how similar it is, um, the better we're all, we all are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really like, it must be, it's got to be like so hard to do that. Like, I, I, like, can't see myself reaching out to someone I admire being like, let's chill. Just because that, <laughs> that intimidation factor is, like, so real, even if it's something I've, like, completely just built up and fabricated in my head. Uh-huh. But then it, it, I just think actually talking and meeting that person takes them down from that, though. Like I was saying earlier, just if you know the person, then they're not this all- all perfect being anymore yeah and you can just be real with each other well like it doesn't take them off or i guess like it just like humanizes them it yeah. doesn't make yeah, you that's what i mean yeah unless they're a shitty person then maybe it takes them off the pedestal but yeah well and that's even like all right fine if you're gonna be a shitty person then i actually have less envy for you i just wanted to i brought this up just because i this poem up just because I have gone back to it often and it kind of relates to our topic but um and of course this line I've seen on inspirational signs 
whatever in different people's homes, but <laughs> I always really like this line. It's, um, it's from the poem Desider Desiderata by Max Ehrman. I don't know how to say that, but, um, but this line says, you should read the whole thing, but I'll just read the one line. It says, you are a child of the universe, no less than the, than the trees and the stars. You have the right to be here. And whether or not it is clear to you, no doubt the universe is unfolding as it should. And I think what I like best about that is that last line, no doubt the universe is unfolding as it should, which says to me, wherever you're at right now is where you're supposed to be. And whatever level of success you feel like you're at, um, it's all on your journey. And you might not have that thing you want right now or ever, but you might just be being steered in a completely different direction. So it's just like having a whole lot of trust in that things are unfolding as they should. Yeah, that soothes the anxiety. <laughs> I think that's like a good thing to like meditate on or like that's kind of like reading like a poem or like really meditating on that is a form of self-care which I think is also really important if you're feeling the beast of jealousy coming through is to take the time to yeah honor that self-care and think about that poem and stuff <laughs> <laughs> think about that poem and stuff and you'll be fine <laughs> okay let's talk about competition with self for a second because I knew you once talked about from some art book about just doing like 20% more than you did the prior year mm -hmm. so for example if you did I'm just making up numbers like eight paintings in 2005 doing 10 paintings in 2006 mm -hmm. so is that a competition against yourself or can you speak to that um that was my goal <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, that's common advice, right, is people saying, don't think about what other people are doing, just try to be better than yesterday. And I struggle with that a little bit because I don't, it's just too then small of increments to really measure, like, how am I better than yesterday? I don't know if I am. <laughs> Maybe, like, slightly sm smarter and my skin slightly saggier <laughs> I don't know um it's a lot of I pressure mean, yeah like I I get the sentiment behind it like you know baby steps towards being just your best self but it's just you gotta you're gonna have bad days and I think you gotta give yourself a break with that so I mean but okay going back to work and competition I don't know I don't think it's a linear thing I think it's an accumulative thing because I can look at how my work has improved and just my mm -hmm. the collection of work I've made over the years and that makes me feel like I'm getting somewhere but it's not so much like well I'm gonna do this many more hours this week just compared to last week because it's just like you're gonna get there's a stopping point there there are only so many hours in the day yeah um 
And then I found that with even just the advice on trying to make 20% 20 more work a year, I get where she's coming from, but I'm more, I'm more concerned with it being, I want it to be 20% better quality mm-hmm. than it's not quantity. volume. Yeah. yeah. Um, and part of that does come with just putting in the hours, but part of that just comes from the cumulative experience. Does that make any sense? Well, yeah, some of it <laughs> just feels like a little bit out of your control. Like, I think I've heard that from, say, like acting coaches or advisors before. Like, um, don't aim to like book more jobs, aim to book more auditions. But sometimes that's just like completely out of your control. So mm-hmm. then I think you, in some respects, you're setting yourself up for disappointment if you don't, like, pass your goal or, you know, reach your goal with that versus, like, why not just focus on being the best actor you can be versus, like, I had 12 auditions and they were all for shitty student films, but I got 12 auditions. Like, Yeah, there's some quality to consider there too. I don't know. I think goals are important even if you do if you don't reach them. Um, well, yeah. I'm just talking about like yeah. a competition with yourself. Like where is yeah. a healthy boundary there? Yeah, I don't know. I think I I much prefer just the the goal of showing up and working every day. And that's pretty pretty vague. <laughs> Um, I actually think that's really relative because, I mean, that's kind of doing little increments to a bigger thing is if you just show up every day, that's really great. I, there was a time in my 20s where I was like working at a restaurant, like way too many hours a week and not pursuing any creative goals. And Mm I would wake up with like cold sweat anxiety every day and like, I'm doing something wrong. And, like, I wasn't guilty about something I had done. I was feeling anxious about stuff I wasn't doing. And so now that I'm actively doing stuff every single day across many creative fields, like, I, I'm cool as a cucumber. Like, mm-hmm. Obviously, I wish I was, like, f- faster, better, funnier, prettier, all of those things. But, like, the, at the end of the day, I've, I'm working on stuff every day. And so I can sleep at night. <laughs> And I, I think just reminding yourself of that, like where where you used to be and where you are now, um, it might not be. We've talked about this before, where you might, it might not look like what you thought it would look like, but you got to take into account what you've achieved. Like I'm barely surviving as an independent artist, but I'm doing it, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and that's something. And so it's compared to myself. Two, three, two to three years ago when I was working full-time and same thing, like, working my ass off and not pursuing any of my own personal passions, like, I consider that a success and was an express competition with myself. I am better because of that. Yeah, hell yeah. So, I mean, hey, you just have to be, like, almost too ingrained in your personal journey to care what anybody else is doing. Mm-hmm. You know, the more you can celebrate other people's successes, genuinely, the better you feel, and, like, really lift them up and 
give them the positivity that they need because it's just going to come back to you or just, you know, just make you feel good, essentially. And that's not, shouldn't be like the only reason to congratulate somebody, but um, it's almost a like kill them with kindness factor. Like when you're, sometimes when I'm feeling really competitive or see someone's Instagram and I'm like really jealous of something, then I'll, that's when I comment with the biggest exclamation point, <laughs> congratulations! <laughs> You know, it's because it's just like, it just like nips it in the butt a little bit and then they're happy and in return supportive of everything that you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I've talked about this before too, where giving like genuine compliments can be difficult. And uh, I definitely find it hard in real life to be like, I love your earrings, which is dumb. Uh-huh. I That shouldn't be as big of a deal as it is. But uh, online it is like, a ton more easy to just like give out love and positivity on people's Instagrams. Like Mm -hmm. that's why they post pictures is to get love back. And it like Mm -hmm. takes zero effort to just give that little bit of love. Mm -hmm. And I'm honestly like, I go through phases of like, just like, I like everybody's stuff. And then like, I'm just too busy for social media right now. But I think that is a good way. If like you're feeling down in the dumps to just like go on Instagram and just give love for like 10 minutes. <laughs> and then you just like it all. Yeah, it'll make other people feel good, so why not? Uh, did you hear that This American Life episode where he's talking to young girls and how they're using social media? Mm-hmm. And how it's like a big deal to them if they post a photo or something and one of their friends doesn't like it or say, cute or beautiful or whatever yeah that's scary and just the like just really uh my new intricacies between how somebody responds to a photo yeah but it's funny because like it's not even just teenage girls that do that though no like I definitely notice if like somebody consistently likes my work or whatever Mm -hmm. and I feel then I feel a more warmth towards them because I know that they feel yeah. that sort sort of thing. Yeah, that's true. I was I always like it uh when it's like people who like aren't in my daily circle but people from like my past who seem to be like on the journey with me. Mm-hmm. Uh I've actually gotten a lot of really honest beautiful messages from like recently like this girl from high school sent me like a really encouraging message on Instagram like you're doing it like it was like so warmed my heart to the fullest to get like encouragement like that Mm -hmm. I literally am like gonna like screenshotted it I'm gonna frame it and put it on my wall because I'm like someone from that I grew up with that I haven't seen in 11 years is rooting for me that Mm -hmm. feels so good Mm mm-hmm yeah, that's amazing. I need to do more of that. <laughs> Other people. I mean, and it, that's what's hard about, like we just said, like just stick to your own world and you'll be fine. But I don't know. Spread spread the light. <laughs> yeah, spread love. And like, you know, those painful jealousy feelings are going to come up, but acknowledge them for what they are, that it's just means that something's important to you. Um, it's got to be hard for people who really do want who really do put a lot of like stock in their Instagram stuff 
and who really get their value from likes. And I think, you know, I think we all do, you know, if a post gets three likes versus 53 or a thousand and three, you know, that I think that is a currency in our modern age for our measure of joy. Um, but I really am advising against that. Because what if Instagram were to crash today? You know, Maybe. what if Instagram didn't exist? Where are you getting your value of self-worth? Mm-hmm. And this coming from a person who doesn't have a lot of, like, followers or likes on a daily basis. <laughs> <laughs> but I also, like, don't care that much about it. <laughs> oh, right. Like, I constantly go back and forth between, like, looking at it and caring how many likes something's something gets is, and then just being like, oh, whatever. It doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> well, and sometimes it's a measure of, like, what is entertaining or, you know, what people like. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, well, yeah, as far as artwork goes, and I, I can tell what people really respond to and gravitate towards. So it kind of, it has some influence on the different direct, you know, very small, but on the different directions I decide to go with artwork for sure. Yeah. We get instant mm-hmm. feedback in lots of different fields from social yeah. media. Yeah. But, uh, but I like have yet to have somebody be like, this sucks. Never do that again. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I've gotten uh, like the, you're not funny. (laughs) But you know what? Like as few haters as I've had to encounter thus far in life, I'm like, you know what? I have been my own worst critic that there is nothing anyone can say to me that I haven't said to myself that's far worse. Mm -hmm. Like bring it on, haters. Like... I know where I hit myself the most, so good luck beating <laughs> good luck beating me. <laughs> I often uh when I run across a roadblock or a failure or something like that or a hater, which like I said, I <laughs> nobody outwardly just comes up and says, I hate your armor quick. I don't like now. this painting. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, nobody's done that yet. But um I I kind of romanticize it and put it in the sense of like, this is what all brilliant artists have had to go through and, you know, all these failures. Like, how many publications did Bukowski submit his work to before he finally got it published? And, uh, you know, just just putting in myself in the mindset of like, this is what pretty much every artist has had to go through. And that goes back to um, our money topic too like when I'm feeling really broke I'm like oh well it's just starving artists like I'm just gonna drink cheap wine and eat a peanut butter and jelly (laughs) uh I don't know if this will end up being a recommendation of the week sometime but uh I really yeah recommend reading autobiographies of people in your field or just artists in general because it's really enlightening to be like oh that really rich successful person that had struggles (laughs) go figure (laughs) but about like romanticizing that stuff I definitely uh my imagination can go can run wild in how I deal with critics that don't even exist yet Mm -hmm. and I think it is just like ultimately it's just gonna mean by the time you have critics that you're doing something important I think we've talked about it before like would you rather be hated or ignored and like 
You can deal with being hated. How do you deal with being ignored? Mm-hmm. Um, getting attention is kind of my kryptonite in life. So, uh... <laughs> Go figure. Um, I don't know. I'd probably cry if I got hate mail. Really? <laughs> eh, maybe not. It would depend on who it was from. <laughs> or if I... I think if it was something that I thought I was in the wrong or did wrong. Yeah, that's different. And got, and got to, like, the core of something that I knew to be true. But if it was just a subjective thing, like, you know, I've gotten, I just, you know, just, like, rejections that I've gotten from applying to different artist residencies or shows or whatever. And I don't often get feedback from those things, but occasionally they'll write something that they liked and didn't like about my work. Um, so that, that, I mean, like, I can deal with. But it is hard because it is so subjective. Um, and, you know, once I was out of school, you don't really get those kind of critiques anymore. And even when I was in school, it was like you had to take what people said with a grain of salt. Even, yeah, even my professors, because I don't know, like the teachers that I had were my painting teachers. They were like the grad students who cared more about their own work, I think, than actually teaching undergrads painting. Hmm. (laughs) And so it was like any critique that I got, I, you know, like, of course I valued, but at the same time I'd be like, it's not what, I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Like I was just, I guess that's the whole point of critique is then you're just more, you're determined to do even better. One of my favorite artists, David Cho, I have his book in like the first few pages he just like cut and paste all the hate mail he's gotten over the years, and it's really hateful stuff. Um, but it's like the fact that he has this huge hardback book of all of his paintings and all of his successes and whatever, and started the book with that is like just a big fuck you to everyone who just wrote him hate mail. And a lot of it's just, you know, internet trolls or whatever, but. Who like hates a painter? What what is the what are the subjects of his paintings? I'm not familiar. Um, well, I mean, his some of his work, I guess, is sort of controversial. I mean, let's see here. Like, I can't imagine someone being like, "Dear Renoir, suck my dick." I mean, everybody's everybody's gonna try to try to tear down art, as far as specifically successful art. Um. I mean, most of them don't really have any... I have the book right here. Most of them don't really have any, um, you know, solid backing. Um, Like, David Cho is horrible at everything. He's horrible at just existing. (laughs) (laughs) This guy's an epic tool, but he's got killer talent. (laughs) While his work isn't bad, it sure isn't great. That said, plenty of mediocre artists do very well in the art world. You know, it's just, like, shit like that that's, like, okay, that's all just saying, like, he's a tool. God. And just, like, not liking his work because it's not, you know, part of the what's known of the highbrow art world and takes a totally different turn, you know? Like, so don't look at it. Art is so (laughs) easy to not look at if you don't want to look at it. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's just like all of those comments and, you know, just those kind of internet troll comments in general, um, people posting, posting hateful speech, it's all just based in jealousy and insecurity. Um, and people, like you said, just wanting to be seen and heard. There's this um, Sarah Silverman on her Twitter. Someone was just like, you're a cunt or something. And she responded and was like, hey, I looked on your page. It looks like you're going through a lot of back pain. I'd love to set up a chiropractor for you. And like took care of like all these like medical issues that he oh, was I dealing with. That. Yeah, that is badass. <laughs> that is badass. It's like if we had more kind of that response in the world to people that are really hurting just imagine I mean just throwing it back to talking about March for Our Lives like and the gun violence issue I I really do think it's a reaching out to people who are in need like that Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah it's like their their jealousy just goes so so much further it is so deep I don't even know if jealousy is the right word, but just like not feeling like they have a spot in the universe. Yeah. And that's the way they're going to get one. That's such a shame. So, but I think, but obviously like most people fit more in the middle ground of feeling like, what do I have to offer? I'll never be great. Why try? Or not most people, but like, I don't know what it's like most of us fall in the middle somewhere where we have like bouts of oh I'm never going to be good enough I like look at that person they're so far ahead of me and they're of the same age same background and whatever but they're doing so much better what am I doing wrong like why can't I have that I think the important thing to remember with any sort of like competition and jealousy is it's a human reaction that every single person deals with, even if they don't show it. I don't know. Maybe I take that back. Maybe there's some people who are just full ego and don't ever worry about that. Yes, please write us if you've never been jealous of anyone else. Yeah, I'd love to hear that perspective. I'm sure that exists. (laughs) What do you think about telling people that you're jealous of them? Um, sometimes if it happens instinctually, it feels kind of good to get off your chest. Like, oh, you just had such a great Mm -hmm. set. I'm so jealous. The audience loved you. Like, no skin off my back. But I think if, or I don't know, I guess it was kind of hard to be like, tell you right now in the podcast. And I'm like, I had to grow up in your footsteps. Do you think I was never jealous of you? Like, that was, like, more hard, but probably because that was, like, more personal and really deep-rooted in me. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting to me because there's, like, a couple of specific people I would bring up that I don't want to talk about in mm-hmm. a way that I'm jealous of them. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> Which I thought about, like, before this episode. Like, do I want to, like, name names here? But, yeah. I don't. It's almost like, and then it's just almost like an in- a feeling of embarrassment that I'm yeah. jealous and 
like giving something away. I don't know. It was just like I guess shame a little bit. Shame well, and embarrassment. And power. Like to be like this person, I have these feelings about this person, it's giving up power mm-hmm. to that person. And how do you respond when people tell you they're jealous of you? You are? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They didn't use the word jealous, but someone was like, I'm going to do what you're doing because you're so trendy. And I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) So they didn't use the word jealous, but I think it just catches me off guard. I don't know. Well, how do you respond? Yeah, I don't know if I've ever had somebody like outwardly say I'm jealous other than dad saying, like, I'm jealous of the way you lead your life. <laughs> Dad's not that. Or just, like, jealous of, like, certain adventures that go on and stuff like that. Oh. It's basically what he said. And it, like, I guess my, like, visceral reaction is that it feels good. It makes me feel like I'm doing something right. Yeah. Um. Even though, but I don't know. I think, like, if somebody tells you that they're jealous, they're not, like, deep down brooding jealous it's more like a compliment usually yeah um so I don't know why I feel embarrassed about admitting that I'm jealous of somebody else I don't know I think there's like surface jealousy and then there's like deep burning jealousy that gets more like psychological like I can be like you are doing so much better at life than me (laughs) Or you'd probably have to, you'd probably have to examine the people that you are thinking of in your head and what makes you so jealous of them. Like if, it, if it's just a surface thing or if it's, um, it's probably something, and this is, I'm just guessing, it's something that you feel that like you're lacking that they have. Yes. So... It has less to do with them and more to do with yourself. And it's probably something that you've tried to attain or tried to work on and just continue to struggle with that seems effortless to them. Well, right. Like the couple of people that I'm thinking of, it's like, it's not even so much what they're doing. It's like who, who they are Mm -hmm. as a whole. Um, just like them as people. So I guess you could just turn the jealousy into saying, like, I admire them rather than framing it in a jealous mindset. But Yeah, but there's a difference. Because I admire Obama, but I don't – I'm not jealous of Obama. <laughs> I'm not jealous. You're not – well, that's – I mean, the two people that I'm thinking of, it's because they, like, they're – they are closer to me. Like, I'm not jealous of Obama <laughs> because – his story is so different. Than okay. Mine. So it goes back to what I'm saying earlier, where it's like the, some often, like sometimes the people closest to you are maybe even just like a few degrees removed from you, but they're in your world. They're like a, a real person. Um, that it's like you, you hate to love or love to hate uh-huh. or vice versa, you know, because they are like such awesome people. So, I and I don't even, like, talking about it is sort of cathartic and, like, okay, well, that's interesting. Maybe there's a way to turn that around into a more positive thing and, like, looking at them as, like, 
role, role models that are close by. You know, because if you don't have role models, role models, it's the same as sort of like being the best or being at the top. It's like, who do you even have to yeah, look up to? Yeah, who does Usain Bolt look at for running advice? <laughs> I don't think he needs it. But, um, but I think that's the most interesting part to me is that it's those feelings come up most with women that are around my age that are like kicking ass mm-hmm. at life. Um, that seem to be traveling all the time and doing like certain adventures and just like li- like seemingly live these like really beautiful lives, you know. And I'm like, in like what you said, um, it's probably something that I have tried or don't feel like I'm measuring up in a certain way. But in the way that I'm saying it, it's all just from really is like how I know these people through what I see on social mm-hmm. media because they're not in my, my day to day. So it's kind of the thing where like, if you're nervous and about speaking in front of people, imagine them in their underwear. Like imagine the people on Instagram who have the beautiful lives, just like having chronic diarrhea. Like, and they <laughs> will, like everybody has their own issues like one 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 woman that I really admire on Instagram um she yeah she's like seemingly so perfect and then she posted something one day about like I know like everything seems like really shiny but I really struggle and I'm like whatever you're fucking successful like shut up like you don't get you don't get a struggle and have bad days like your life is good Yeah, sometimes when they do that, I'm like, you're just fishing. <laughs> like, fucking shut up. <laughs> but that's where, like, if, like, social media is really, like, starting to, like, get your goat too hard, like, just get off of it. Good focus on your own shenanigans. Oh, no, totally. That's that's how I've dealt with it. Like, I've had to unfollow certain people because I'm like, okay, I really admire what you're doing doing a great job but you make me feel shittier about myself every time I see what you're doing so I'm not gonna like what's the point I'm not gonna follow you anymore (laughs) and that's just like it seems stupid that I couldn't just get over it but why would why put those images in front of yourself if it's just gonna Uh make you feel bad like sometimes it makes me feel inspired but other times it's just like well I'm not where she is so but she had a bad day that one time. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, um, clearly I go back and forth from being, like, totally, like, support people who need it and also, like, fuck you, bitch. Like, <laughs> there's the spectrum of how to deal with it. But I think that different things are going to work. But I, Maybe. <laughs> I think whatever makes you the most makes you the better person is the best way to go with dealing and acknowledging any forms of like competition and jealousy if it's going to make you a stronger competitor then embrace it but if it's making you feel uninspired and jealous and spiteful like Mm -hmm. let it go and i am allowing everyone to take the time to acknowledge Mm -hmm. the difference Who are you jealous of? Tell us now. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm jealous of Terry Crews. <laughs> if you are also jealous of Terry Crews, hit us up at Akita Podcast. Oh, I never at I'm jealous of <laughs> My recommendation this week is Patty Smith's memoir, Just Kids. Have you heard of it? I mean, it came out like eight years ago, so once again, just totally behind the times. Um, but I've been listening to it on audiobook while I paint, and it's really nice. I mean, talking about um, just sort of the romantic artist struggle, um, I really like the story. It's basically a lot about her time in her early 20s before she was um, became a singer, hanging out in New York City with um, Robert Maplethorpe, her kind of muse and confidant and boyfriend and artist friend, I guess. (laughs) Um, And and, she has a lot of anecdotes about, you know, musicians of that era coming through this hotel that they lived in and how broke they were and how they just, like, all they cared about was their art. And so it is just this, like, really deep dive into that kind of dreamy, artist world that also seemed very very hard so i appreciate it so far i'm like about i've got about two hours left on the audiobook so i don't know what chapter that is but um, <laughs> yeah i highly recommend it will do so that's patty smith just kids by patty smith and she reads it on the audiobook so i always like aud- or audiobooks that the author actually reads if it's particularly if it's a memoir uh-huh. My memoir is going to be called Memoirs of a Marmar. <laughs> Mine's going to be. <laughs> Mine's going to be Memoirs of Kelsey. Memorying Memoirs of a Marmar. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Remembering Memoirs of a Marmar. <laughs> <laughs> okay, word. <laughs> really do have like admiration for his work ethic like not a diva he does flex his pecs unnecessarily but that's probably who doesn't <laughs> fuck you terry cruz all right that's how we'll end it fuck you terry cruz <laughs>